1: got to play pinball And put in your earplugs Put on your eye shades You know where to put the caulk We're not gonna take We're not gonna take it We're not gonna take, not gonna take Wanted man in Indiana Wanted man in Ohio Wanted man in Texarkana Wanted man in Mexico Wanted man in Sacramento Wanted man in Old Cheyenne Wherever you may look tonight You may see this wanted man Wanted man by Lucy Watson
0: Wanted man by Jeannie Brown Wanted man by Nellie Johnson Wanted man in this next town, but I've had all that I wanted. Back, of a uh, lot not of back,
2: yeah, I've back, had. back on the Tom DePriest show. Awesome uh, That's some out bad. Bob Dylan and Johnny Cash there uh, from the Mental Treasury man. of our great producer Bo Robinson. Tell us about it, Bo. Mental
3: Treasury—that makes it sound like it's an album on its own. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, this is a uh, yeah Johnny Cash and Bob Dylan and it's part of Bob Dylan's bootleg series called Traveling Through and this is the fifteenth installment of Traveling Through and it features alternative versions and outtakes of uh, some Bob Dylan songs and Johnny Cash songs and if people are not listening to this I don't know how to help them because this is fantastic and originally. Bob Dylan was in Nashville February 1969 to record Nashville Skyline. Johnny Cash just happened to be walking in when Bob Dylan was walking out. The producer was smart enough to put them together and they recorded over two days, uh, some alternative takes and, uh, various versions of both of their songs together. And the reason it was never originally released by Columbia records was there was too much talking between Johnny Cash and Bob Dylan. Yeah. And the producer looked at, uh, the executives at Columbia records. He goes, well, fine. I just won't talk to you all anymore. I quit and walked down. And then years later, this is what we have. And, uh, that, uh, first track I started off with was called uh, wanted man. Yeah. And I just think this is a fantastic album and it's a great window into the history of, uh, Bob Dylan and Johnny cash and how much they actually admired each other, but the whole reason Dylan recorded four albums in Nashville is he wanted a country sound. Yeah. And that's why he came from New York. And also on this album, too, Carl Perkins and a very young Charlie Daniels. Yeah. No kidding. Really. Yes. Wow.
2: Well, Mike, <clears throat> the Dow Jones hit twenty eight thousand points for its first time ever yesterday. What's up with that?
0: Yeah, it it did. Um, new highs on the Dow, new highs on the S and P. Um, I mean, it's it's been, you know, uh, Pretty remarkable uh, move uh, this year, especially rewinding. You know, the, well, this time last year, what was going on in the markets? Um, just been a great recovery. Um, but
2: uh, yeah, last year this time in the markets they were falling apart.
0: Yeah, they were they were crumbling. Um, you know, you are probably down probably around twelve percent this time last year, around ten yeah. percent. You know, continued to fall another ten percent from here last year. Um, you know until was, the day
2: after Christmas, really
0: yep that's right, that's right it's it bottom then then it you know started recovering um but y- you look at you know, what's been driving this um you know the the drop last year had to do with you know interest rates going up uh, everybody you know new interest rates were going to go higher they haven't um, and uh China, which you know that's still you know a, a question mark you know what kind of resolution we'll have there. But um, it's interesting, you look at um, what interest rates have been doing, what was it, probably three months ago when you had the, the inversion on parts of the, of the uh, yield curve. Um, so right now, though, you look all the way from the one-year T-bill all the way through the 30-year bond, and uh, it's a positive sloping yield curve. It's normalized. You're not oh. having that inversion. Because when it was inverted, uh, the market was speculating that you're going to have a
2: recession. Right. An inversion means the higher yielding stuff is on the shorter end of the curve. That's right. So a two- and three-year bond might be yielding more than a 10- or 12-year bond. That's right. Uh, now, there there is still some inversion
0: real short. Uh, like, for example, the, the six-month T-bill uh, is 1.58%. Uh the 1 year is 1.55. So it's still slightly inverted on very short, but from the 1 year all the way to the 30 year, yeah, it's a, it's normalized, uh, which is a good sign uh for the economy. Um it, we were you know we we were talking about this uh, when it was inverted. Uh, just because there's an inversion doesn't necessarily mean there's a recession. Right. Because you have to look at what's going on globally. That's right. With interest rates. Um, and that was pushing down. And with the economy. And with the economy. Uh, but where you had negative yields in much of the world, you know, uh, uh, it was pushing down the longer end of the, of the curve. Um, and that's... Like I said, that's normalizing now. So that's an encouragement to the market, which is kind of fueled, uh, the fire with this rally that we've had. Um, you know, yesterday too, there were some numbers came out on retail and they were pretty good. Uh, so the, the consumer's still strong. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, uh, Walmart, they had good, good results. Um, uh, I think pennies even had decent results. Really? Yeah. I mean, relative, Yeah. <laughs> you have to look relative with pennies, that's um, but uh, you know, the 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 consumer, uh, which is, if not the one of the main drivers of the U.S. economy, yeah, it's the main the driver. main driver, yeah. uh, is is still
2: strong. Right. I remember back when I was at Payne Webber back in the '90s, uh, Ed Kirschner, who was the um, chief investment strategist, said that the U.S. consumer would lead the market higher, and he was right. He was absolutely right about
0: it. He was spot on. Yeah. Yeah.
2: He said this 25 years ago
0: or longer. That's right. Um, It's interesting, uh, you know, credit that's being extended right now. Um, Something you have to watch, you know, where, you know, to see if there's you're seeing any bubbles and things like that. But, you know, in general, um, you know, the consumer is still – the average person out there is is bolstering their balance sheet. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but all of that plays to you know uh, positive momentum in the market, which we've you know been experiencing.
2: Yeah, yeah. What happens to dividends during markets recessions and bear markets? Tell us about it. We invest for dividends at Dupree Financial Group. That's what our main push is.
0: Yeah. This this is this is fascinating i got to give a shout out to brad on this too for bringing this to my attention um you know he uh, uh he, he he's he knows how we invest and he thought yeah. i'd get a kick out of this and uh, and i did um so what happens to dividends during recessions and bear markets when we when we're talking with someone <clears throat> the dividends that's much more consistent than growth of share price that's why we in, invest in those types of companies Because our clients need a consistent income stream. You know, they need something that's going to replace or uh, replace a a good amount of what their paycheck is. So looking back, um, and it starts off, uh, instead of worrying where the market might head in any given year, uh, many dividend investors bank on the resiliency of their income rolling in and hope to leave their nest egg largely untouched. But what happens during economic downturns? Uh, significant dividend cuts seem like they should be expected as well. However, now they break it down in this article, and this is this is fascinating. Um, let's look back uh, how dividend payments have compared to stock prices going back to 1900. So they chart... Um, S&P, the S&P 500 dividend growth in, adjusted for inflation over each 12-month rolling period from 1900 through 2018. So if we're looking back on the dividend growth part of that, um, on average, uh, so the, the dividend growth rate generally remained between negative 10% and a positive 10%. And this is on a 12-month rolling period. But you compare that with the growth uh, of the S and P 500. Um, you look at the volatility. Uh, so there were periods where it was, you know, down 50 percent uh, and up, you know, 120 uh, um, percent. Give a little more detail on it. So the minimum tw- trailing 12-month dividend growth since 1900. Was negative thirty four percent. So there was a a time when dividends were cut by thirty four percent over a twelve month period. During that same, the the worst period uh, in price was a negative sixty two percent in price. Um, but you look at what's called standard deviation, which yeah. is the 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 swing that it has. And this is this is fascinating. The twelve month trailing twelve month dividend growth. Had a standard deviation of ten percent, while the change in price was twenty percent. So the there was double the volatility in, in, the, stock price. in the stock price from nineteen hundred to twenty eighteen. Now they take it, but in, very little volatility in the dividend. In the dividend, much less volatility. Now they <clears throat> take it and they uh, drill it down to a, a more recent time frame since nineteen sixty eight. And the the results are even more uh, startling, if you will. Um, the standard deviation for dividend growth was six percent, while the change in share price of the growth was sixteen percent. So almost three times the volatility in the change in price uh, of, of of the, of the stocks. Um, so the changes in stock prices are completely unpredictable over short periods of time. You know, they're, they're driven by like what we saw last year, you know, speculation on trade, politics, all these different factors. Um, but the dividends that comes from the underlying business, uh, especially if it's a company, uh, that have paid dividends a long time, they're, they're much more uh resistant to cutting that dividend
2: it just shows that the operation of the business the underlying business on the company represented by that stock yes is much more uh predictable than the stock itself we had a guy come in this week who said i've never done good investing in stocks and he had it in his mind that investing in a stock was like investing in um, a bet at the racetrack. And what he was saying was he was not a good better. Mm -hmm. But what we tried to explain to him, and I think we got through to him, was that the stock represents a piece of a business. It's a piece of an underlying business. And you look at that business. AT&T, would you want to own a piece of that business? Well, sure. Mm -hmm. AT&T is a great company. Yeah. Produces good products and services and throws off a dividend. Blackstone, would you want to own a piece of that business? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. When you look at it that way, that by buying the stock of that company, you're buying a piece of that business, which produces income. It's much more predictable than buying into a fluttering around piece of paper called a stock. You can use periods of uncertainty when stocks are down to buy into very good businesses. The underlying business goes on usually despite what's going on in the market. That's right. But most people don't see it that way. They'll buy a mutual fund. Which owns stocks, and not think twice about it. Yeah, they're buying into a, a, a bu- bucket of stocks, but they don't look at it that way. Right. Now,
0: um, one thing that shapes, uh, you know, this this person, uh, you know, his past experiences have shaped his outlook today. The oil stocks, oil stock, th- he 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 wasn't properly diversified with the stocks that he had before um because it was you know aggressive commodity driven uh investments and you know those had gotten hammered um but well they got hammered after he bought them right right um but it's you have you you can't just say i don't like stocks out or I don't like mutual funds, or you have to have the specifics.
2: If you say, I don't like stocks, you're saying, I don't like American business. Yeah. You're saying, I don't want to invest in business. Well, everything that happens in this country that's a positive thing economically comes from business. That's right. That's how the government gets their tax dollars. Business. It's businesses generating... um, goods and services that produces taxable income where the government gets their taxes, they're not getting enough of it because they spend more than they take in, but I don't want them to take any more of it. Uh, that's, that's how the merry-go-round goes around Yeah, is, right. is American business. You're never going to get away from that. I don't care what political campaigns say political candidates, Elizabeth Warren, Bernie Sanders, you name it. If you make it to where business doesn't have an incentive financially to produce goods and services, you're going to ruin the cost of living for everybody in America, or not the cost of living, the standard of living.
0: That's right. Absolutely.
3: Yeah.
2: Stay with us. News Radio 630 WLAP. It's the Tom Dupree Show.
3: What happened then? The whistleblower. The phone call. What's happening now? Impeachment proceedings.
4: Democrats' focuses.
3: Your station for what happens next.
4: Where are we going to go?
3: This hearing's going to change significantly. News Radio 630 WLAP.
4: Hi,
2: this is Tom Dupree Jr. What does a good financial advisor do? Perhaps it comes down to asking the right questions instead of having all the answers. For instance, should I take Social Security now or later? Am I really ready to retire? Is my money invested properly to pay me an income during retirement? These are a few of the questions that might come up in your discussion with a financial advisor. Good questions are what a financial advisor may be able to help you with you will come up with the answers on your own. If you're not sure about some of these things and need a sounding board, call Dupree Financial Group at 859-233-0400 for a complimentary appointment. Also, you can listen to the Tom Dupree Show on Saturdays at 7 a.m. at News Radio 630 WLAP. That's Dupree Financial Group at 859
1: 233 630 WLAP. Now I taught the how to cry And I showed the clouds how to cover up a clear blue sky But the tears I cried for that woman I'm gonna flood you big river And I'm gonna sit right here until I die
0: I met her accidentally in St. Paul, Minnesota And it tore me up
2: every time I heard her draw southern draw Back on the and Tom Dupree show uh, so Unicorn Mutual Foreign you Mutual funds embrace of high profile unicorns backfires. What's going on with that? Before we
0: get into that, what's I want to co- that I wanna what's up with that. I want to cover one more thing on this uh the the, the stability. Oh no, you dividends. may not. Please. Now um looking back um since World War II, uh there have been eleven recessions in bear markets. Right. Um it's amazing looking at the the peak. Uh, to the trough decline in the S&P 500 versus the change in the dividends. There have been three times since 1946 that you've had a recession or bear market and the average dividend actually increased during that time. And this is something we, we see with the individual companies that we own, but it's, it's great seeing the data that shows even the averages – uh, that this, that this works out. So it like, for example, in 1961 to 1962, the S and P 500 peak, to trough was down 28%. Right. The S and P 500 dividend change positive 4.1%. Uh, in 1987, uh, negative 34% on the price, a positive 1.9% on the dividend. So even if you exclude there's, there's two outliers in, in the data, which is 1946, 1949 and uh, the financial crisis. Those are kind of the the outliers, but even including those, uh, the average uh, S&, the average dividend change during that time uh, during a recession or a bear market was negative 0.5 percent really versus the average decline of 34 percent so the dividends stayed about the same the dividends stayed about the same um and the if you, that's including even the financial crisis which you know a lot of the dividends that were cut during the financial crisis were uh the banks because they were required by the government to reduce their dividend payouts. Yeah. But, you know, if they're a, you know, if they were a SIFI, you know, the systemically important financial institution, you know, they had to reduce their dividend payouts. Uh, so even including that, the dividends are much more consistent than growth. Right. And that's, that's why we. That's why we invest for dividends. Why we invest for them. That's why it's the backbone of the portfolio. Um, now, getting into this other one, uh, we were talking in the last break, um, about mutual funds and there's you know the most recent one is uh, WeWork. we work you know these uh you know ipos these tech startups uh we work it was a huge debacle on you know everything from management it was just it was ugly they're gonna ipo uh and then they ended up not uh, because of everything that was going on with the company but mutual funds own uh a pretty good amount of these private companies right so for example um mutual funds have ste- stepped up their exposure to unicorns which is what they're calling the, these private companies uh they own 6.7 billion dollars worth of shares of WeWork or We Uber Lyft uh and Pinterest uh, and Peloton um, it's an increase of $2.7 billion from two years earlier. So they've, they've increased the percentage exposure to these private companies. Um, around 6 out of 10 mutual funds hold private shares for their portfolios. Now, when we come back from the break, we'll talk about how this can negatively impact right. mutual funds. Mm-hmm.
2: Sounds good. Stay with us. You're listening to the Tom Dupree Show. On News Radio,
1: 630 WLAP.
3: From iHeartRadio, number one for podcasts, Finding Fred.
0: Who do you talk to about how you're feeling? Your friends, your
2: family, your neighbors? It really helps to talk about the way you feel because everybody has feelings. Mr. Rogers believed that talking about our feelings would help us make sense of the world. I'm Carval Wallace. Join me for Finding Fred, a new podcast about the lessons of Fred Rogers.
4: You know who really loves fresh food? Amateur chefs, barbecuers, smorgasburgers, snackers, bakers, and throw it in the microwavers. At Kroger, you can get all the fresh you want at a great price with delivery and free pickup because we believe in fresh
0: for everyone. Get a fresh deal on boneless half ribeye, just 6 dollars a pound in the family pack. Order for delivery or free pickup today. Restrictions apply.
2: Kroger,
3: fresh for everyone. Chris Stapleton's Concert for Kentucky, an
2: outlaw state of kind benefit, April 25th. The first concert ever at Kroger Field. Chris Stapleton us? with special guests. Road Willie Nelson and family.
0: Sheryl Crow. All I do is do and Yola.
1: Tickets on sale now
2: at livenation.com.
4: Depositions continue in closed-door sessions today in the impeachment inquiry. State Department official David Holmes in a closed-door deposition yesterday confirming Wednesday's testimony from Ambassador Bill Taylor about a conversation between President Trump and U.S. Ambassador to the E.U. Gordon Sondland and evidently supporting allegations that President Trump withheld military aid to Ukraine as leverage for Ukraine to investigate the president's political rivals House Intelligence Committee member Democratic Congressman Eric Swalwell telling reporters this after the testimony.
2: Arrows continue to point in the direction of a shakedown scheme led by the President of the United States, uh, operated by agents like Rudy Giuliani, Gordon Sondland, uh, and Nick Mulvaney.
4: Republicans called the testimony hearsay and the impeachment inquiry a scam. In California, authorities in Santa Clarita say the 16-year-old Saugus High School student who shot and killed two fellow students and injured three others died from his gunshot wounds on Friday. Michelle and ABC News. Our weekend is off and running with a mix of sunny clouds across the land on this Saturday. Temperatures colder than we should be, but still not that bad. Into the low 40s. Upper 40s to low 50s on Sunday. Clouds will increase into the afternoon and evening ahead of a weak front. That will drop in town down by Monday and Tuesday overall, though fairly calm. Have a great weekend, everybody. Stay warm from WKYT, First Alert Weather Center. I'm meteorologist Chris Bailey on your official weather station, News Radio 630 WLAP.
3: Broadcasting live 24 7 from the
0: heart of Big Blue Nation. This is News Radio 630 WLAP, an iHeartRadio station. Millions of fans have witnessed the concert experience that launched a one of a kind rock holiday tradition. Trans Siberian Orchestra. Live in concert.
3: The all new Christmas Eve and Other Stories. Presented by Hallmark Channel. December 5th, Rupp Arena. Reserved seats are on sale now at LiveNation.com. A portion of all proceeds to benefit Kentucky Children's Hospital. I'm Nick Soboleski, a select quote agent with a true story that could save you hundreds of dollars a year. A woman named Linda just called. Her husband, Ray, has a $300,000 group life insurance policy, but is changing jobs and can't take it with him. Well, I shopped the many highly rated term life insurance companies we represent, like Prudential and Mutual of Omaha, and found Ray, who is 41 and takes medication to control his cholesterol, a 10-year, $500,000 policy for under $27 a month. That's almost twice the coverage for less than half of what he had paid. If SelectQuote hasn't shopped for your life insurance, you're probably paying too much. For your free quote, call 800-589-5599. That's 800-589-5599. 800-589-5599.
4: Or go to SelectQuote.com. Since 1985, we shop, you save. Get full details on the example policy at selectquote.com slash commercials, or price could vary depending on your health, issuing company, and
3: other factors. Not available in all states. 630 WLAP.
1: Well, I'm sitting here wondering the matchbox hold my clothes. I ain't got so many matches, but got so far to go.
2: Back on the Tom Dupree Show. So a little more about mutual funds owning these private companies before they go public.
0: Because typically you'd think this would be in a, a hedge fund or private equity fund. The problem is mutual funds are owning uh, a pretty good slug of this in the, in the fund itself. So let's use WeWork as a, uh, an example. Um, we was valued at $102 a share in July of eighteen, and that's what Fidelity uh, was uh, valuing it. Um and $110 a share in November of 18 by Hartford. Um, the problem is the, that valuation turned out to be overly optimistic. Um, uh, whenever it was actually, when they thought it was going to go public, uh, they were valuing it below $55 a share. So these mutual fund companies had valued it optimistically at over 100 It was going to IPO at 55 Now the problem is, open ended mutual funds have to come up with a net asset value every day, right? Because the fund trades at NAV, uh, what the value of the holdings of that fund are. Well, they're trying to value a pub or a, a private company uh, daily. How do you do that?
2: Yeah, with a non-traded security in
0: it. Right. Yeah. You you can't like it, these illiquid REITs. Right. Exactly. Um, and so. the the problem becomes the valuation and the mutual funds aren't designed for that kind of valuation anyway, you know, to, to, to assume that. So what happened, they, they had it marked up to over a hundred dollars a share. And then, you know, whenever it was going to IPO at 55, you know, they have to take this big write-off on the NAV basically. um, And the, it compounds the problem when there's redemptions of the fund. Yep. So the SEC has rules that they can't have, I think it's over 15%, in privately held companies inside of a mutual fund. Yep. Um, the problem is, if there are redemptions in the fund, they can get real close to that number uh, inadvertently uh, yep. because – they can't go out and sell the, the privately held uh, stock at, at, a, at that kind of valuation. Sure. So they have to sell other things, which increases the percentage um, of the privately held companies inside the mutual fund. So it's back, back to our conversation of people get in their minds that I can invest in I'm comfortable investing in mutual funds. What do they own? Yeah, you always have to go back to yes. I own this mutual fund, um, and, and this is the historical returns. But what does it own? You know, do you know if it owns privately held companies inside of it? How are they valuing it? Mm-hmm. You know, what what's the manager? You know, has that changed? There's there's so many dynamics to a fund that it's it's opaque. You know, yeah. you're always looking backward. Uh, you don't know exactly what you own any, any given day. Yeah. So there's, and while we're, you know, we'll, we'll steamroll on this, uh, Dan Fuss, um, of Luma sales. Um, this is, this is something we've talked about for two years now. Uh, we're talking about the liquidity of, of funds and what, and the things that they own. Just like the private <clears throat> holdings inside of mutual funds, there's no liquidity there, so that can work against the fund. The same thing with uh, bond funds. And Dan Fuss, uh, who's a really good bond manager, he's, he's coming out now and saying there's, there's a problem here, um, you know that the, the liquidity of a mutual fund doesn't match up with the underlying liquidity of especially high-yield bonds. Yeah. Because you you can't get away from the underlying security, what's the liquidity of it, and you can have essentially a run, just like a run on a bank, same principle, a run on a fund. Um, and that can really hurt uh, uh, investors. Um, there
2: are more risks to open-end bond funds than people are willing to acknowledge, says Mark Grant, chief global strategist, B. Riley, FBR. Much of that relates to the structure of open-end funds, which typically allow holders to redeem every day at NAV. But their holdings of corporate bonds tend to be far less liquid and difficult to sell in a weak market, which is when fund investors would be prone to panic towards the exits. I think the risk of a redemption shock is relatively high, says Dan Fuss, the veteran manager of Loomis Sales Bond Fund and Loomis' vice chairman of the board. The IMF appears to be taking a hard line on fund liquidity. He adds, and I certainly agree with them. Though, so. it's,
0: it's, it's, in financial markets, you're you're always going to have somewhat of a disconnect between the liquidity and the underlying assets. You know, you, you look, you know, from a uh, one of the simplest examples, you know, a, a bank. You know, if if they've loaned out, they've made loans with deposits, well, there's a liquidity problem there, potentially. Right. Um, that's the simplest form. With uh, a bond fund or uh, or any kind of uh, fund that owns underlying assets that are illiquid, meaning you can't sell them, uh, because if, if there's a run on the fund, they have to sell something.
2: That's why we own the assets themselves. Right. Instead of a fund that owns them. Right, it's a big difference. We own the particular assets for our clients. They don't have to go through a mutual fund to own their assets. We actually, the, each client has his or her own securities in their portfolio. We buy each client their own set of of securities, and that is very. That's a very big deal. Mm-hmm. It, it's a, it's an individually managed account as opposed to a pooled account, which is what you get with a mutual fund. Mutual funds are sort of the lazy man's way to build a portfolio. Now, I'm not knocking mutual funds per se, but I can just tell you that it's a it's a one decision thing for a lot of these guys that put people in mutual funds and charge a fee on top of that. That's right. Mutual funds charging a fee and the advisors also charging a fee and um it's just really uh it's not as it's not as detailed an approach towards owning your own securities that's right so uh,
0: in in our portfolio <clears throat> there are holdings that we have that are more liquid than others i mean it's just you know it, it's just the nature of it you know the uh, could be a bond. It could be a smaller company that we own that might be less liquid. But if we need to raise cash for for taking advantage of an opportunity, we have the flexibility. We don't have to sell everything, an average to do that. We we can look at the liquidity of each position in the fund, yeah. and we know what that liquidity is. You, you know the details of the portfolio. You know more about what's going on. And when you know more about it, you have less potential for a surprise. Right. You know, it's education. You know, we want to know what's in the portfolio. Yeah. So.
2: A $45,000 loan for a $27,000 ride. More borrowers are going underwater on car loans. What's up with that?
0: so auto loans that's that's an area that you know you have student loans and auto loans those are two areas that you have uh, you could call it a bubble maybe um but you've seen a a huge increase in the the loan it's in the loan balances um but let me steal that from you real quick get the numbers right on this um so for example um uh, there's a 40-year-old electrician. Uh, he bought a car in 2017. In two years, uh, he signed up for two for four auto loans, each time trading in the previous car and rolling the unpaid balance into the next loan. He recently bought a $27,000 Jeep Cherokee with a $45,000 loan from Ally Financial. So what's happened uh, with with this individual, and it's happening more and more with people, they're buying a car – and either something happens with the car, or they uh, want to upgrade to another car, so they roll that loan balance, whatever that balance is, minus the residual value of the car, into a new loan. And more and more people are getting underwater on their auto loan. Right. Um, just like during the financial crisis, people were underwater on their house, uh, on the on their mortgage. Um. It's important to understand, you know, when you sell a car and you roll that debt into another, you're still responsible for the balance on that previous one. Now, this is a, cars are probably the worst, now unless you're a, a collector, you know, but they're probably one of the worst investments out there. A house, over time, it will probably appreciate in value a car the second you buy that thing it's depreciated in value it's one of the worst things to to spend money on from an investment standpoint right but everybody has to have one or most people have to have one um and you just you have to be this is personal finance um but you have to be careful you know uh, in how much you're rolling into this because you you have a $45,000 loan in this in this guy's example on a $30,000 car and that $30,000 car is depreciating in value and you're still going to owe the 45,000 on it. Yep. I mean th- that's not a good situation to be in. Right. Um being prudent in your spending um is is so important.
2: There was there was an example what about buying classic cars. Well,
0: you can make money on it, yeah. Uh, you know, because that's that's the the collector out yeah. there. You know, they're buying, and a lot of times they'll be able to put some sweat equity into the thing. You know, yeah. they'll do something to it, and then they'll flip it and make a profit on it. Um, but as far as you know, just an everyday driving car, nine times out of ten, you're not going to make any money on these yeah. things. It's just it's it's a sunk cost, is what yeah. it is. Um, th- there was. An example is it just—it amazes me. There were the, these two girls that lived in Hawaii. They were going to trade in their car for. They shared a car. They're going to uh, trade it in for something less expensive, um, but they ended up uh, moving the unpaid loan balance of twelve thousand five hundred dollars from an old GMC to a new twenty eighteen GMC. So they ended up. Uh, with a loan balance of sixty-six thousand, they were go they were going into it with the right idea of cutting costs. But you know, low interest rates make it so easy for people to over over borrow over overspend because you think, well, you know, here's what the payment is, the monthly payment. You got to pay that balance off though. That's right. And it's it, always think of what the total. Loan amount is not just what the monthly payment is. Yeah. Um, but they ended up their old loan was $500 a month and they ended up paying $900 a month for the new loan. And the whole idea was to cut costs, right? Um, but <clears throat> the auto loans, those are just like mortgage bonds, those are kind of sliced and diced, and there's demand for those in the market right now. You know, Wall Street they're buying up, you know, these auto loans. And you have to be careful going back to the bond fund thing. A lot of these bond funds might own loans, auto loans. Um, Again, it's know what you own uh, because if you're getting an outsized yield on something, uh, especially with a fund, versus what the market's given right now, they've got some funky, (coughs) funky stuff in there. That's right.
2: Stay with us. You're listening to the Tom Dupree Show. It's News Radio 630 WLAP.
3: What happened then? The whistleblower. The phone call. What's happening now? The impeachment proceeding. Democrats'
4: focuses.
3: Your station for what happens next.
4: Where are we going to go?
3: This hearing's going to change
2: significantly. News Radio 630 WLAP. I'm Tom Dupree, Jr. Your retirement investment portfolio is too important. Be managed by a one size fits all menu of mutual funds or annuities at the other end of an 800 number or a website. Dupree Financial Group is local, right here on Main Street in Lexington. We specialize in individually managed, not mass produced investment accounts. If you have a 401k or IRA, we can handle the rollover for you and generally have your money ready to invest within 10 to 12 business days. We design an individual account just for you, our client. Once your plan is implemented, we try to meet with you twice a year to review your plan and make changes if needed. This ensures that any concerns or questions you may have about your money are answered in a timely fashion. Call Dupree Financial Group at 859 233 400 for a free review and be sure to listen to Tom Dupree on the weekends at News Radio 630 WLAP. 630 WLAP. Back on the Tom Dupree show. So, there's this asteroid out there worth $700 quintillion. <laughs> That's a lot of money. That's a lot of Why money. Why is that?
0: This, this is amazing to me. Um, so, there's an asteroid, uh, it's named 16 Psyche. Um, they call it the most valuable object in the solar system. Uh, it's because it's mostly metal. Um, and they, they use the example, how much gold can be found in them, their space hills. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but so $700 quintillion. Uh, so a quintillion is a million times a trillion. So 700 quintillion has is seven followed by 20 zeros really? now just the the asteroid itself you know that's that's amazing the fact that they are probably going to land something on it to explore it that's amazing
2: they're talking about doing that yeah
0: yeah they're talking about being able to mine space you know uh, rocks um wow. it's 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 the technology is amazing now y- you 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 look at it. Well, what's that going to do to the value? Let's say there's gold on it. What's that going to do to
2: the value of terrestrial gold? Gold. Um, you you can't just. If there was tons of gold found. The value would drop big time. Right. It, It'd be like dirt. Right. Exactly. But you have to look at how much does it cost to
0: mine it and bring it back. So there would be some sort of a, a an evening out there. But this this goes to the the heart of what is money Uh, because they're using the example if if they give you know they they, let's say they bring that rock back and they divide up the the seven quintillion dollars um what would that do to money um so let's, let's use a simpler example um let's say the federal reserve would declare that uh make everyone a millionaire by saying that the $1 bill is now a million dollar bill. So everybody now is a millionaire or billionaire. Um, the problem is money in and of itself, money doesn't really mean anything. You know, a dollar doesn't really mean anything other than what it buys. It's, it's a placeholder. Um, it's, it's a reflection of something. Um, and it's you you touched on uh two segments ago it's it's the value of productivity yeah is really what it is um we were we were reading what was about two years ago um the adam smith yeah book um uh um, wealth of wealth of nations and it was you know what is money you know it's it's a it's it's to buy something it's an exchange for something yeah um
2: Money is money because people say it is, purely. Yeah. This uh, dollar bill right here has no intrinsic value other than a piece of paper. Yeah. I mean, what could you do? You could start a fire with it. You could uh, roll it up and make a cigarette out of it. You could uh, write a note on it. But that's about it. I mean, you could use it for a variety of things. But its utility as a piece of paper is limited it has utility in the eyes of people because it says it's money and it's money only because people say it is and that's also true of gold by the way
0: mhm that's right and and i guess gold it's because there's um there's not much of it you know the yeah. there's just it's it's rare and so that's why they think it has value unlike uh dollar which is a, a fiat currency um it's it gets fiat in, meaning because people say it is right it's not backed by gold um but you have inflation with dollars and that's why we invest like we do is cuz if if a dollar because of inflation a dollar today will not buy in 20 years what a dollar buys today yeah because of inflation so our clients, if they're taking $1,000 a month in income, that has to go up over time because it's not, they're not going to be able to buy the same things in 20 years with that $1,000. So we are tasked with preserving the purchasing power and the, the lifestyle of our clients. That's, that's our task and, and to produce that income stream. Um, and back to, you know, you know, in the first hour talking about annuities, you know, an annuity, uh, there's no inflation adjustment with that annuity payment, um, thousand dollars a month. That's a thousand dollars a month today. It's a thousand dollars a month in 20 years. Um, there's no inflation adjustment. We want to grow that monthly payment With inflation Um, so how do you do that Uh, you look with the dividend example companies historically raise their dividends because the underlying business is more profitable I mean that's there's historically there's not really been a better inflation hedge than businesses because they can they they're the ones that are charging more for a product and they can pass that on to the shareholders Uh, so We think that's the best way to hedge against inflation long term, owning good companies that pay dividends and those dividends go into our clients.
2: Yeah, that's, it's income. Income is produced from companies that are doing something, making something, producing something. That's where we get our income is we are investing in the productive efforts of other people. That is American business, you can't get away from it. Mm-hmm. No matter where you go in the world, you cannot get away from wealth being created by people being active and doing things. Gold doesn't produce that kind of wealth. That's right. Silver doesn't produce that kind of wealth. Um, real estate can produce it if the real estate is being used productively.
0: Mm-hmm, that's right you look at you know government spending that isn't producing that's not creating wealth that's taking
2: redistributing it and by redistributing it you could say you're destroying wealth because wealth in the in the hands of one person is not necessarily worth as much as it is in the hands of another person and if you're taking wealth from more productive individuals and giving it to less productive individuals individuals you're actually um you're actually taking away from the value of that wealth you're making it less productive and you're stealing from it
0: that's right yep um so it's come see us come see us um yeah. we'll sit down we'll review the portfolio look at your needs and we'll put some ideas down right. and you make the decision if we can help you or not.
2: Eight five nine You've been listening to the Tom Dupree show. We hope it's been helpful to you. Um, we can sit down and talk to you about your retirement investments. You can look us up on Facebook at Dupreefinancial.com. Educate, guide, and empower. That's what we do. Thanks for listening to the show today. Hope you enjoyed it. You've been listening to the Tom Dupree Show with Mike Johnson. It's News Radio 630 WLAP.